1: Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, with a great show for you today because I have a great guest with a great topic. We're gonna be talking about a starting out farmer, like the the whole thing, starting as a young person, getting into the business of agriculture at the production level. Uh, My guest has done just that. And we're also gonna be talking about his lane of agriculture, which is pecan production, or as some might call it, pecan production. No matter how you call it, it's a delicious tree nut, especially when it's thrown together with some carrots syrup and put into a crust and baked for pecan pie or pecan pie. Uh, his name's Cason Anderson. Cason, well, thanks for being here in the business of agriculture. I appreciate it. Before I let you tell your story, I want to remind our listeners that this episode of the business of agriculture is brought to you by not only the Georgia agricultural commodity commission for milk that you just heard in the intro, but also my good friends at harvest profit. Harvest profit is a software company that makes software solutions for agricultural enterprises. If you want to manage your business as the business it is, you need a software that helps you do so. Harvest Profit is that. You can go to harvestprofit.com and see what their product can do for you. and Anderson got a hold of me because he's a listener and he, he's got a good story because he's a, a young guy that's starting out as a farmer, which is a hard business to just start into. It's not like saying, hey, I'm just gonna open up a dry cleaner. I'm gonna, there's a lot to it. There's the information part of it. There's the, uh, the technical part of it. There's the money part of it. There's the production. There's the access to get the land. There's all that stuff. But also, he's in the pecan business. I've never had a tree nut person on here, as far as I can remember. So, Casey Anderson, welcome to the program. Well, I'm glad you, glad you let me on. Enjoy listening all right you're 27 years old you live in perry georgia i'm a little bit more familiar now because of my involvement with milk down there uh tell our listeners where's perry and then give me some background on you 27 year old guy that got into agriculture all right perry is uh kind of right in the middle of the state near
0: i-75 two hours south of atlanta Uh, our county is really growing up it would would have been a very rural county for years Due to uh, Air Force Base employment, great school system, we're we're losing a lot of our uh, farmland in our home county, so everyone rents in the counties south of us or around us, and a lot of people move their headquarters to the counties around us, And um, but by me being a young guy, when I first jumped into pecans, everybody had a home and five acres, old trees, you know, uh, a, a farm that was subdivided into uh, home lots or subdivision. I, I'd show up with a little harvester and and we'd pick them up, throw them in a wagon, and and that's kind of what gave me my start was uh, being a sort of developing area.
1: All right, so let's go ahead and go from the beginning. You're you're the you're the son of people that are are small business people, so it's not like you're just um, uh, brand new to this idea of self employment or working running your own business. Your your parents were in in business for themselves, right? That's correct. My my dad
0: and my, my mom built houses together, and uh, so we always watched dad do his own thing you know he didn't start till he was about 28 or 29 he built houses for a another company and he built his personal house on his own and uh, a lady that was a banker in town noticed that and took a chance on him and kind of like I've had landlords take a chance on me our story almost mimic each other
1: yeah. So you're, you're, uh you're, you're a young guy. You're, you know, you, you sent me a little biographical stuff. Your parents had had a few acres out in the country and you had some cattle, but that wasn't, you weren't really farmers, right?
0: No, that was, you know, you, you raising kids, they were busy working and, and who can cut 50 acres of grass with a six foot bush hog. You know, he didn't have a big tractor and batwing mower or nothing. He was just a a guy that had some acreage after work and, I swear to this day, those cows were there for grass control. Cause I've never heard them talk about making any money. On them. <laughs> right.
1: So you had some cattle, you were, you know, you're kind of a country kid, you get all that, but you weren't farmers. And then uh, you go to, you go into college for a couple of years. Can't take me from there.
0: Uh, you know, I, I would um, help some people out, uh, bailing hay, picking sweet corn, whatnot, helping them plant, just really trying to get to know about it and, but the opportunity was in pecans, you know, to, to make it row crop. And you had to have, you know, a hundred thousand dollar tractor of a thousand acres of land and whatnot. And there was just so many idle pecan orchards sitting around, you know, neglected, like I mentioned about, you know, 10 acres in a house. And, um, so my senior year of high school, I helped an older gentleman and, uh, yeah, I just helped gather and run the shaker and everything. And, and uh, he passed away. You know, I bought his shaker, and uh, I was a freshman in college. There was a neighborhood that was about to be developed. I contacted the guy. I said, "I said, let me harvest these for you." And there was like four foot tall grass. We get it mowed down, all the sticks up. I think we picked up sixty four thousand pounds. So you're eight. You're eighteen years old, and you you picked up sixty four thousand pounds. And I remember. Uh, given the, the owner his check, I think it was like 19 or $21,000, something like that. And, uh, made the comment, he said, that's not that much money when you're my age. And I said, well, it sure hell is when you're 19. Yeah,
1: no, that's, that's great. So you, uh, you were going to school, you'd done, you'd worked for other farmers and, and whatnot growing up. And then you said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So you, your your guy that was a, that had hired you dies. You said you bought his shaker. I know what that is because I'm around agriculture to the person that doesn't know what that is. Tell them a little bit real quickly about pecan production and harvesting and what that piece of equipment does.
0: All right. Well, this shaker was, was very small scale and and very old. So you're talking like a thousand bucks. It hooks to the three point of the tractor, clamps the trunk, turn the PTO on weights, shake and uh, vibrate the trunk. But kind of the way I, for people who aren't familiar with pecans, I really say it's sort of like baling hay. Once the pecans are shaken down, you get the sticks up. Wait a right, minute, just wait, a
1: it's just, you're still talking over some people's heads. Remember, I, I might have somebody here that works in a green bean canning factory, uh, and, <laughs> and they're like, "What are you talking about?" So, this is a device that grabs a hold of the trunk of the tree and shakes it because you're taking the nuts that are now ripened and mature, and then you shake that tree to get them off there. So, you're people talking about, "I'm going to see like shake the tree, shake the bush to get some money fall out, whatever." It, you're grabbing a hold of the tree and shaking the the nuts off it. That's what you're doing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the new shakers we have—they're self-propelled, 160-horse engine, um, hydrostatically driven. You know, you're talking. I bought mine for 121,000. Well, now from metal tariffs and death, they cost like 157. Okay. And uh, but you know, you can clamp a branch, clamp the trunk. Either way, it shakes them down. And I always tell everyone: imagine a bunch of one uh, side delivery hay rakes. That is how pecans are you sweep them with a, a hydraulically driven attachment on the front just like a hay rake
1: well, well better yet for the person that's a city person those things they use up in our part of the world because you don't you're in georgia to sweep the snow off it's like a street sweeper or a snow sweeper it's essentially a brush right it's a big brush that goes and sweeps all the pecans to the end of the row isn't that what we're doing
0: yeah we're making windrows. we want a nice straight uh, row you have one to two per row middle um and then the harvester would uh, gather those up. It it would what I say is like the hay baler or peanut picker for someone who's not familiar. And uh, but all that takes place. It's always easy to remember Halloween to Christmas. That that few days before, a few days after, generally October to December, we're picking.
1: The, then the okay, so the pecans uh, go from, uh, the windrow, you go through then and, and tell us what happens real quickly from there.
0: All right. Well, once they're gathered, you know, we have these dump carts. Some people, I guess you could say it's like a silage dump cart. If you have any dairymen listening. Um, so we put them in peanut wagons or hopper bottoms. I, I can't afford a hopper bottom and they go to the, the cleaning plant. They're, uh, dumped and pre-cleaned and dried with propane and then they get sorted according to size and if you're familiar the white super sacks that fertilizer seed comes in and that's how they're handled you put 40 to 50,000 pounds in a dry van trailer anytime you you have enough to fill up uh, a certain variety or what we call lot number if you have enough to fill a semi that's you make more money per semi instead of a small quantity.
1: Okay. So you said, by the way, you said hopper bottom uh, to the person that doesn't know what that means. You mean a semi, you mean a, 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 a container, a semi truck. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're taking these to a processing facility. Do you have them contracted ahead of time? You know, if I, uh, I can sell corn right out of the field in Indiana, or I can say I'm delivering corn that I already had sold last year. How does it work on pecans? Yeah, we're, we're not publicly traded. Like grain,
0: and um, the government does not get involved as much as like it would with peanuts. Now, I'm not super well versed on all this, but as far as contracting, they'll you know the the main buyer in the state he'll call around August September, kind of want to know what we think we have, and you know, and he'll say I'll give you uh you know for a hundred thousand pound quantity, I'll give you two dollars for a certain variety that meets these standards. And I can say yay or nay, because um, you you always want to be able to fulfill it. You don't want to not be able to fulfill it. Right. I don't think they'll hold you to it like it will with uh, commodities, different commodities. But um, to honoring it, um, some people wait, see what the market does. But I think it's good if you know that you can go ahead and get two dollars instead of ride the lightning for two oh five. You know,
1: but. Okay. So about the, so I, I know a lot of people are not familiar with the production. You are now let's go back to your story. I'm doing this thing for narrative purposes where we, we started out then we went somewhere else. and we went, we're going to go back. You are a 19-year-old kid. You got some inexpensive equipment you were able to come up with. You did your first harvest because somebody, a developer, bought some property, and you said, you know, before you develop it, I'm going to go ahead and, and harvest those trees. You you did that. You gave the owner uh, a check, and you made like 20 grand yourself. Then you were hooked. You said, all right, man, I can do this thing. Where would you go from there? Did you finish college? Yeah, I got an associate's degree
0: uh, really just to – please my my mother and standards set by society Mm -hmm. because i knew i wanted to be self-employed and i could always make a living doing something um but yeah i regret sometimes i wish i went to uh abac or ag college in georgia i met a lot of people in farm bureau and we're all the same age and i could have been down there at the ag college with them but uh so i we just kept going, you know we we would rent, try to rent another neglected orchard, I say neglected small, you know ten acres a big guy's too big for, it. and it just slowly over time we uh got up to like I think sixty acres in twenty thirteen, and then um we had one guy take a chance on us, you know, we were young, he knew us, he knew we you like saying
1: keep saying, we it's really you, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me, I, I like to refer me and my crew, but I, I didn't have a full-time employee until, uh, 2015. So I was farming a, alone, you know, spraying, mowing, and then we would shake and have, have some part-time people at harvest of course. Where, but, uh,
1: were you keeping all this equipment at your parents or, uh, you're like, what 20 year old kid then that by this point you're doing some stuff. Are you living at home? You got your own place. You buy a little farmstead. How'd that go?
0: yeah I stayed at home until i was uh, twenty six i had a a pole barn and a shipping container with all my parts and everything and um but then, as we started renting more ground you know we we would uh utilize the retired farmer's sheds and and his uh shop with a concrete floor that we were so desperately uh want and um uh, but yeah just over time, you know I always tell these young people that they want more acres more acres. And I was like that for a long time. And eventually you get what you want or you have more than you can handle. And those opportunities come, people will rent out something to you. Um, sometimes you can pay maybe a little more because you don't have quite as much overhead and you can rent something you really want. Um, but the, I think everyone in my area has a, uh, about all they really want to handle I, I can't really think of any people that are just desperately wanting more and more acres
1: yeah so you were like 20 years old and you had 60 acres and now you're farming 840 acres so bring me up to today how many of those acres are owned by Case and anderson uh 64 mm-hmm. and you, you own 64 acres and you farm more than 10 times that and then are you now living on the part of the 64 acres you own no, I bought a uh, house in town. Um,
0: you know, you you can't get what you want. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to have a uh, you know a hundred foot pole barn and shop. I don't care what the house looks like. I just want the acreage in the shop. And uh, but I, I had a, a great opportunity on a house in town, an older home, and uh, knew the lady selling it. And I bought it so I could get married to my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, but one day we'll have our chance and we'll have a, a, a house and shop
1: sure on a will. piece of property. Sure. You will. All right. So you gave me the write up So I'd understand your operation, 840 acres, 500 of those acres are mature producing trees. And then the balance of the, those other acres are recent plantings. Is that what you did? Yeah, we, in, a. Uh, January of 2019 we took on
0: a big planting. We did uh, roughly 200 acres January to February of 2019. And that we took on too much. We had one plan for a few years that we were going to plant 75 to 80 acres for for one of my landlords and but then another guy came around some big farms in the area told them they were too busy to to do it. And, uh, I think I was third pick. I don't care. I was third pick. I got the 90 acres now. And, uh, so, you know, we, we haired the property had a farmer with GPS lay the rows out and everywhere the rows make an intersection, we would auger with a, just a three point hitch auger. So me and a crew of, uh, I believe 10, we all planted. It was uh, 29, almost almost 3000 trees on this one piece of property.
1: Okay, how many trees we we putting per acre, Kaysen? Uh
0: January 19, we planted mostly 29 trees an acre everywhere.
1: Okay. Is that a normal, is that a normal spacing? It doesn't seem really like that very many.
0: That that would be 50 by 30. Um, you got some folks going 30 by 30. That's 48 trees an acre. It gets awfully thick. Um, our trees, it's just not quite like the almonds and walnuts, you know, it and why why do all the extra work to get four years out of them before you got to cut them down? You know, um, fifty by thirty worked for us.
1: Okay, so they're planning on fifty foot by thirty foot spacings. That gives you just about twenty nine trees per acre. So you put them all in. You talk about drilling. What were you drilling for?
0: Uh, we were we were drilling just a eighteen inch auger, and uh, then we'd plant a bare root tree. You know, we'd fill water, and so we had two rigs running: a tractor, a nurse wagon. And then a trailer full of trees and you know you need about three people on the ground really one person to just hand you a tree and me you know cut the water on and off and while people rake dirt and we'll we'll swap out you know you don't want one person getting tired or
1: you know but it was quite you you put those bare root trees in and you said that this was uh, a, a landowner it was not your land but you said i'll do this or you did it across a few different chunks of property 200 acres what's the deal? Are you getting paid to do that or you do the work and then they say, but you get the right to farm it for 10 years or how's that work? Cause it's not your land.
0: Yeah. So there's, um, there's a lot of different ways to do any type of agreement, but just say you, let's say Damien, you had 50 acres in Perry, Georgia and you had the capital, but you, you don't live here and you, you didn't know what to do. Right. So you say, all right, you, you, you do all this work and you can rent it for 20 years, 30 years. And I say, okay, well, then you got some people that the farmer will put up the money for uh the trees or the well or something, and they may get a 30 or 40 year lease.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And uh, you know, or some people may if you pay them, you know, five, six hundred bucks an acre, they'll just install it and the minute they're done, they walk away and this year is
1: Got it. By the way, I want to hear some more about this, but I need to remind a little commercial break here that this episode of the Business and Agriculture is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a company began by my friend Nick Horeb. He's in Fargo, North Dakota, a long way from where these pecan groves are. But it doesn't matter where Harvest Profit is headquartered. They work with farmers and agribusiness people in 20 some odd States and four provinces. If you need a software solution to help your ag enterprise be more profitable, go to harvestprofit.com for your free 14 day trial. Okay. So you got this thing where you said, all right, I'll do the work and then I get the right to rent it. And then how much are you paying? First off, they don't make those trees. Those trees ain't making you any nuts for the first several years, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you might go in there, uh, like say if we planted those in 2019, they 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 just turned two years old this year. So, I mean, in 2024, 2025, we might roll through and try to pick something up, but I'm I'm not counting on it.
1: So you're talking about six and seven years, five and six years down the road before you get a nut off of those trees. Are you paying rent for those acres in the meantime? Uh, we are not. I always uh,
0: tell them in the – with one guy, we we came up to the conclusion that we will both agree on the year we decide to pay rent. We're both going to say, yeah, there's enough or no, there's not enough. Okay. And um, you know, you could say, okay, in year seven, we're going to start paying rent, but you don't know. What if you had a fluke? What if they weren't ready? Or what if you stole money from them? year six, you know? So that way it covers both parties. You know, I'm not going to take a year's worth of pecans and, I'm not going to pay them for a year that didn't produce.
1: Got it. So um, w- when you've got this thing going, then uh, you're you're you said 840 acres, but 500 of those acres are actually in in active production right now. Right. Yes, sir. And so tell me then uh, you're, you're out there. Twenty seven. Uh, you've been expanding. You've got hired help. Uh, what's the business look like now for case and Anderson Pecans?
0: All right, I'm gonna take you through, let's say that it is April. All right, we have our cab tractors. We got three air blast sprayers. These are um, pretty big. They have their own engine, a 1000 gallon tank. And when they're running, they, they sound like an airplane. And uh, we spray hundred gallons of water an acre. So a 10 acre load gets put out within an hour you really spend more time waiting to fill up at the well than you do in the field. That's where a lot of your times ate up at. Why are we uh,
1: we spraying water on them in April? We start April
0: through August. Certain varieties need it more than others, but, you know, we want to put out some zinc. We want to uh, uh, spray some fungicide. You know, if we're in New Mexico or Arizona, it's not as big of a deal, but in the humid Southeast, we're always spraying the trees normally. And uh, like I said, some varieties you get by with four sprays, some varieties you need nine sprays.
1: I see. So you're driving through there and to the person that's unanointed, they probably thought you meant you were putting water on uh, actually to water the trees. Trust me, folks, a hundred gallons per acre is a spit in the wind. So no, he's talking about a hundred gallons that's got the necessary inputs to keep the trees from having blight, fungus, insects, et cetera. So you're spraying the trees starting in April. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, the, the rate for that, fungicide maybe 12 ounces an acre so one coke can active ingredient yeah. versus 100 gallons that yeah you put that in food fear yeah, but uh <laughs> uh then we you know we cut cut grass a lot uh you know we spray herbicide along the uh, tree row we call them kill strips yeah some people say uh herbicide row i, I, I say kill strip and uh but then we fertilize usually in April and August. Um, our biggest expense would be, I feel like pesticides followed by, uh, fertilizer and, uh, electricity here. We're still pretty fortunate, you know, to, to irrigate. You're probably looking at, uh, 40 to $70 an acre, depending on who you're, uh, Mm-hmm. emc your power company is
1: Yeah, because you do have to water you, i mean it's, it's hotter than hell in georgia everywhere they grow them gets hotter than hell texas new mexico arizona alabama oklahoma and georgia and Georgia's is usually number one or number two biggest producing state uh but you gotta put water on these trees
0: oh yeah and we have um just about everybody has underground drip Or Mm -hmm. either a micro jet you walk in your bank or restaurant you've probably seen a little micro jet in their flower bed and uh, that's what we run both of those Um, you know you're trying to put out in a 12-hour time frame you know because there's only 24 hours in a day so either you have one zone or two zone you can never have more than two zones and um, we have four inch wells the biggest well we have puts out i think 400 gallons a minute now we we do uh share some water with an irrigation pivot and that's pretty uh pretty strange you take a thousand gallons a minute and yeah. find a way to put it through a three-quarter inch pipe
1: so what uh, what happens then by summer i mean you talk besides watering and then some occasional spraying um what are we doing until those nuts come ready at october
0: well really that's it's wide open you know 12 hour days of of just i mean you're going 1.6 mile an hour when we spray we're going 1.6 to 2.2 2. and um you know if you got 500 acres to spray and then you got to do it in 14 days after that yeah it doesn't leave much time to do anything else <laughs> okay so, and, so uh, you
1: do, do a lot of spraying and then you get uh when's your, your last treatment's probably a month before harvest
0: yeah we're usually done um or late august early Mm -hmm. september your um your insects really show up late in the year you know you want to keep your leaves on from aphids um we have a weevil you've probably heard of the bold weevil you know we have a weevil in pecans we'll have our little traps on the trunk and you know if you don't find any why spray for them and if you find a few you make a note and decide to put it out or not
1: yep uh all right, so we get to we get to harvest season. Uh, in some cases, the pecans aren't priced, or maybe a few of them are. You're you're saying, all right, you talked about knowing what you have. Can you look at a tree right now and tell me, you know, what it's going to make? Like, if I look over an alfalfa field, I I've been around uh, making hay enough. I could probably tell you what kind of tonnage it's going to look like. I, I mean, I probably could do that. Can you look at a tree and say, here's what my yield's going to look like? I tell you what, it's, it's,
0: I'm not that good. I like to ride around each farm in, uh, July, August, September. And I take that farm. I look back the last, what I did last year and the three, four years before that. And I can guess usually what I think it's going to be. And I always guess more conservatively because if I can make it on this number, I darn sure can make it on what it's actually going to be. Yep. Um, but pecans typically, in the southeast, 1,000 pounds an acre. I mean, you can make as little zero, but I just say 1,000 to 1,800 pounds. Okay. I can sit here and tell you that I made 2,400 pounds, 2,600 pounds. Well, that doesn't happen every year. But if I told you I made 1,200 pounds every single year, you're doing pretty darn good. Okay. And they're sold by the pound. It's not like about a bushel. It's it's by the pound, right? Yeah, it's an in-shell pound. So, and another another thing to ponder on, the way pecans are priced, if they're going to export, the Chinese like very large pecans. So if I told you 48 count, that means I took 48 pecans and it made one pound. Okay. But if I tell you 52%, that means there's 52% kernel there's more kernel than, than, than shell. And you will always want, you know, you're buying to shell them. You don't want the shell. You just want the meat.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing that a, a pecan is in the hickory family, right? I, I think so. <laughs> okay. So I think it is. And then the, the thing about the pecan is, or pecan is the, when you're taking them into the market, they're, they're wet, meaning they need to be dried out. And then also they're still in the shell. Yep.
0: And we have nothing to do with shelling. Uh we have a um, a friend. Everybody everybody knows this guy. He's friends with him in the community. Uh, he has a very uh, high tech shelling plant, uh-huh. and and we'll pay him to, to shell our crop if you you know if I wanted to mail you ten pounds, Damien, or or I wanted to sell some on Amazon. Um, but I think a lot of the commercial shelling is done in uh, Texas, New Mexico. Uh, we have a few in Georgia, but.
1: Um, yeah, but in general, they're getting shipped. They're getting shipped to where you take them, then to somewhere else before they actually get to looking like the pecans that I buy at the store to make my pecan pie.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just a, a raw product. Most farmers, you may have a few shell uh, sell some shelled nuts, but generally, everyone's a a wholesale farmer.
1: Uh huh. All right. So you talked about markets and this is the other thing. Um, I, I know that we go to the store uh, somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas and Mrs. Mason buys pecans because she makes a beautiful pecan pie. And uh, I like pecan pie. Where do your nuts go? Am I getting your nuts at the Kroger? All right. Let's, let's say
0: uh, before the big trade war, I would like to think that most everything that, we grew in middle Georgia, all my other friends and neighbors included, they would get on a container from Savannah, Georgia and go to China Mm -hmm. or Vietnam or somewhere, somewhere through that, that direction. Now it's hard to say without that export market. I I reckon that, uh, ours probably go to a Sheller in South Georgia or, or somewhere in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, and I'll tell everybody, I don't claim to know it all. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm a grower. I'm not a marketer. I know what they're bringing per pound, but when it leaves that cleaning plant, I really don't know where they go. Yep. But I would say if you went to Sam's Club and you bought some shelled pecans or, or even uh, Kroger, Publix, there's a very high chance that it's not
1: U.S. grown. Uh huh. It's an imported pecan from Mexico. All right. Now this has you bothered. I'm sure because we're American uh we're American farmers here and you're saying, "All right. Uh why are we bring in nuts from Mexico?" You know I,
0: they I guess they get them a lot cheaper than us. Um, and I and I'm friends with a lot of Mexicans. I, I I I love the people, I love the culture, but they can pay uh 5 to 10 dollars a day while we pay people 12 to I mean, the lowest paid person I ever had this whole year was 12, 12. an hour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I asked my friend, they, they, they left Mexico, come here. And I said, what, what, what do you think someone's making over there right now? And he said, you work all day for like $10.
1: So why is it that then a foreign country can bring in our nuts or did before the trade war? I think what was happening,
0: um, people like us in Georgia, we were selling directly export. So to, to meet that demand, you go to Sam's club, Walmart, wherever that the pecans would have been way high priced if they bought ours while we were getting $3 a pound. So you get a one from, you know, Mexico and, uh, they said it's desert down there. So they're really high quality. They, I mean, they, they say they grow a good pecan. I don't think I've seen one if I knew, knew it, but, uh, I just feel like you got so many things hitting you, man. You got a trade war. I mean, a a 47% tariff brought the price down big time.
1: So China put a 40% 47% tariff on, on tree nuts from where you produced.
0: Yeah. In in 2017, I think it was 10% and we got it down to 7%. All the people that we pay assessments to and vote for on boards, they, they were doing a lot of the work to make it better. And, And, you know, I remember getting 250 a pound, the next year, 270 a pound, 295, 315, Uh and then the next year it dropped down to, like, 220.
1: Yeah. So, you went from 315 to 220 in one year per pound. How many pounds, like, for instance, in the year 2020, how many pounds was your harvest?
0: I think I picked up uh, around 330,000 pounds.
1: Okay. And this uh, year, you, you put it, you put a buck, you put a buck difference on that. That's three hundred thirty thousand dollars of, yep. of revenue, of 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 revenue change or what lost revenue, right? Yep. And and
0: this year, that same variety that used to bring two fifty and two seventy and all, it, it brought one thirty five this year.
1: So a dollar thirty five down from. So that's a half. And so, yeah, you're talking about you lose, you lose half your revenue across this operation. Do you make money in 2020 or are you going to break even, casing on 2020?
0: I tell you, man, I would uh, every night after work, I, I would say, uh, Lord, just let me be able to pay uh, my line of credit back, my land rent, yep. and any bills I've acquired and let me have just a little bit left. Yep. And I really think I, I, we had enough volume this year. To pay every to pay just about everything off. Now we're still in the process. It's only early January. We still have some in the warehouse, Mm -hmm. you know, waiting to finalize land rent and uh, pay off the clean and plant. But uh, there was a lot of pecans made in Georgia. And I think a lot of us are thankful.
1: Yeah. You had a really good harvest. Your prices were bad, but you had good, uh, good harvest. And you know, uh, if you're gonna have bad prices, you better have lots of it. If you're gonna have good prices, you don't need as much of it. What about being uh, the personal side of it? Uh, First off um, you said you just got married. I hope you did the good farmer trick. Like all of my buddies in Indiana, you married a a woman that's a teacher. That way you get the, the guaranteed income and the insurance. Isn't that the, isn't that the trick? Well, man, let me tell you, she was,
0: uh, when we started dating, she was in school to teach and she was doing the student teaching. And I guess that's what it took for her to realize she didn't want to teach. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but, uh, and I was glad I was wanting her to teach so we could live in a, uh, a more rural County kids go to the County she taught in, you know, but, uh, she works for a, uh, local County government. Okay. And, um, She's very understanding about, uh, you know, when it's harvest time, you, you leave the house at dark, you come home well after dark. Chances right. are you hauled a wagon to the plant, had a blowout on the way, so
1: you're an hour, two hours late coming home. And uh, I married a good one. She's very understanding. Uh, that's good. That's, you know, it's a partnership, whether you're actually in business together or whatnot, my wife will tell you that uh, she understands that I, I've been piloting my own ship since two years before I met her. So I, I understand that she understands now. Also the revenue picture, uh, <laughs> you, you make all your revenue, you get all your revenue about three months out of the 12, right? That's right. And, uh, yeah. From late September to Christmas. Yeah. You're, you're all your money. comes, And by God, you feel, you feel like a, you feel like a drug dealer on a couple of those days, days when you, you use, it's just rolling there. And then I always tell her by my farmer buddy in Indiana and I uh, have had this lesson with people that are going to start their own business in, in whatever. I said, and he said something about money. And I said, Travis, wants, Travis wants you tell him about money. And he said, we have months where you've got $50,000 and checks are just sitting there and you don't even like no hurry to get into the bank. We don't need them, you know, 50 grand, eh, you know, big hurry. And then you have another month sometime during your slow spell where you're looking for $50. Like, (laughs) like, Hey, wait, wait, where's that? Where's that 50 bucks? Like, so you got got time in your life and your year where 50 grand is just kind of dangling out there. Ah, no big thing. We're fine. And then the other time where it's like, Holy shit. We need a 50, but we need 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the, uh, what's been the hard part? You know, you're, you're a young guy, you like it, you wanted to be in it. What's the thing that people wouldn't think? And we know about the money. We know about that. We know about some of the hard days. And of course there's days that aren't as much. I mean, right now, you're a little slower. You're pruning some trees, doing some other maintenance, presumably what, what's, what's, what's the adjustment? What's been the hard part? Well, I would say, Growing a
0: crop, and I can't speak for all commodities, but I really feel like growing a, a good crop is not the hard part. I think it's making the day-to-day operations run smoothly. You know, you, you got a crew of people looking at you, well, next thing, something broke, this, this had a flat tire. You got to keep, keep things going. Come up with something on the fly for them to do the rest of the day. And I don't mean sweep the shop floor. I mean, keep keep doing something productive. And really, profitability has gotten very difficult since 2018. Mm. And, uh, you know, used to, you could make 20%. If so if you sold half a million dollars worth of pecans, you, you were definitely going to walk away with $100,000 uh, or 50. Even if you weren't that good, you were going to make 50 grand net, free yeah. and clear. And now you're just hoping that you can, have enough yield or, Oh, what's the price going to be this year? You know, like we're hoping if, if COVID goes away, <laughs> you know, if 2021 is better or uh, I'm not a Democrat, but if, but if, uh, trade relations, if Matt makes our prices go up mm-hmm. in, uh, 2021, you know, that's what we're counting on. Cause we know we're going to have a smaller crop. We We're coming out of a year with a huge crop. Chances are those those old trees will not make as much as they did the year before.
1: Right, right. So you're you're probably gonna have, you're gonna have less volume. You just need some better better prices. Uh, expansion. You know, you said you already got probably as much as you need to do. But what about expansion and some other stuff? Is there uh, is there is there another little bit of. Um, Is there another little bit of business for case and, uh, I don't know, uh, organic sheep, uh, (laughs) you know, produce, what what else is there out there for you and your business? All right. Well, I mentioned to you about
0: how our County is growing so well. Uh, my parents' property is, is on a, uh, just a, a street that has gotten very busy. People travel from the North to South end of the County and I grow about four or five acres of sweet corn. Um, the first year it went better. than I thought, you know, I did what I thought to do, you know, I irrigated and put out enough nitrogen And I, you know, I have just some beat up four row planter. I mean, I'm not a row cropper like, like a lot of your listeners. Right. And I enjoy growing sweet corn and it's a breaks up, but not me a staring at trees all day. Um, me and my crew, we pick it, you know, six to nine in the morning. And then we all go to work and, and, um, uh, me and my wife or my mom will sit down there and sell it yep. and uh, i've thought about agritourism but it's it's hard to to be good at everything yeah you, you you have to no matter how good a help you have you have to run your operation until you find a manager because you can't run agritourism while you're in the orchard
1: no, now And and you said something smart there. You know, diversification is always good. We hear that and we take our investment classes. And then, uh, you know, from a standpoint of if you can have a business with a few diverse uh, revenue streams, it insulates you during bad times. It's a neat thing to say, and it's certainly nice to have. But there is also a reality specialization happened in agriculture for a reason. You know this idea that we had a chicken coop and we had uh, two cows that we milked and we had a few you know beef cows and we had the hogs and we had the turkeys. It's like that's neat and also that that served the idea that mom and pop were out there in the middle of nowhere and they had something of everything. And then if the chicken house burned down, you still had these nine other buildings. (laughs) But specialization happened because of the efficiencies and the returns by being specialized. So it is it is an interesting thing to have a diverse income streams, but Kaysen probably can't be uh expert at 40 different things.
0: Yeah. Damien, a lot of people in our area uh, that have, chances are, if you have peaches, you farm pecans, uh-huh. but if you farm pecans, that's really all you farm. You, you have a few row croppers that do pecans and they do a good job, but a lot of people, that do something else and farm pecans, that's, it's on the back burner, you know? Um, And I, I, a lot of people, the more I farm in the South counties, you know, neighbors with somebody picking cotton, trying to finish peanuts, trying to get wheat in the ground, maybe they're cutting soybeans. And then they got some pecans to go pick up. Uh, They've earned my respect. It's hard enough to have one crop and I don't see how your typical Southern row cropper can manage three to four crops in the same month
1: they may not, maybe maybe they're not good at you know i grew up with the dairy thing and back then you you were everything as opposed to huge specialized uh you know industrial scale dairy farming now and they always said uh dairymen usually are not good crop producers because first off you're really devoting a lot of time and energy to your cattle because that's every day all day uh you know that kind of thing so I don't know. A long time ago, I learned that it's I first got in the comedy case, and uh, an old comedian said, Are you a, a writer or a, a, or a deliverer? I said, Well, I'm both. He said, Well, of course you are. We all are. What are you good at? And it took me about six months realizing, like, I was really good at delivering, I was average at writing. You, you know, um, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Uh, all right i like talking about pecans i don't want to wear our listeners out uh dear listener this uh this episode is brought to you by my friends at harvest profit i've heard you've heard me talk about it. it's a software solution you need software to run your business go check it out harvest hardware harvestprofit.com uh closing out here with my man case and anderson first off if anybody wants to learn more about pecans or you how do they find you
0: uh you know i have a twitter um you can look up uh canderson i think canderson you can find me on there all right i made it a long time ago so don't laugh at my my username It's
1: fine um, <laughs> all right and then uh as far as the business uh where, where are things going when i talk to you five years from now where are you going to be what's going to be happening yeah you mentioned expansion earlier um be honest with you damien
0: when those I told you 840 trees, uh, acres of trees. When when those grow up, you know, we're going to have to get some more people, yep. some more harvesters. Um, I was really wanting my dad to work with me. You know, he's 63 and people are like, oh, yeah, when are you going to quit building houses? Well, you know, the recession in 08 lasted years and y- you can't just quit. And you can't pay your dad twelve dollars an hour, neither.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: But uh, I honestly think I don't see a need for me to get over a thousand acres.
1: Right, and then um, maybe a couple of little, a couple of diversions—the sweet corn—and maybe one other thing is maybe that where you end up. Yeah, you know, I could have sold twenty acres
0: of sweet corn this summer. Um, COVID made people buy in droves. Boy, they visited all these little you picks around here and uh i mean we sold out at 10 a.m every morning and um but i i feel like you know until the day i have a um children uh, you the farm families i see it, it looks like it takes about 500 acres per family you know so if it was uh me and one child it'd be a thousand acres yeah. um, if i can't have children i'd love for my nephew to come work with me when he gets a little older yeah you know why do all this work to watch it go away in death? I, I want to see the the uh, the property I own. I want to see it get a centennial award. Well, I mean, I won't be around to see it, but yeah. You know why sell the home place once once home is sold you can never go back.
1: So. I'll tell you what, uh, for being a guy that's not really allegedly from a farming background, you sure as hell sound like a farmer right now. It's the legacy. It's the it's the it's the ties. It's the roots. And you know what? I I can appreciate it. You know, I I could live anywhere. I live half the year in Phoenix, Arizona, but I really love my half of the year at my farm in Indiana. I like looking out and seeing those fields. I like my old red barn. I like looking out and seeing cattle. I like hell. I I even sometimes like the smell of commoner. So, uh, no, I get it. Hey, uh, I really appreciate you being on. I think it's a neat journey. I appreciate you uh, sharing all that. You told us a little bit about pecans, but also you talked about getting into it. Last thing, piece of advice to the young person that's like you that says, is there a place for me in agriculture? What's What's your advice to a young person that wants to get into this business?
0: Damien, what I want to hit home with, if you are a young person, you need to start early. Don't wait till you have a house. Mm. or a wife or children. I I got my first loan when I was 18 and you know, you have nothing to take away. You don't own a house. You ain't got kids. If you went, if you, if you failed, you failed. And, uh, so I I would tell them, and at the same time, I regret not going off to college, but if I wasted four years, probably would have been a fifth year graduate. That would have been five years behind, Mm those years up here allowed me to make the connections mm-hmm. and rent and harvest on my own. And so I, you know, I'd say jump in and do it. If you want to, uh, uh, in my area, it seems like a lot of kids want to do cattle and hay, you know, go get a disc mower, do it, find something on Facebook marketplace. What's stopping you? You know, yeah. don't, don't buy a Yeti cooler. Don't buy sunglasses in a truck. Go buy some equipment.
1: Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's right. Get after it. Get after it. Get after it. Uh, I was, uh, I, I had my I had my first I had my my first business when I was nineteen. I had a window cleaning business, and I said I got to get after it, get after it, get after it. But uh, I didn't follow your advice. I should have gone and tried to borrow every nickel I could have because, like you said, if you end up defaulting on it when you're nineteen, <laughs> what are you going to do? do? No. All right, hey man, his name's Casey Anderson. You've been listening to the Business of Agriculture. I really, really appreciate you being here, my friend. And I uh, the best to you. I'm going to look you up when I'm down there doing some dairy tours uh, this summer. I hope to, I want to see some pecans. All right. All right. Well, I, I'd love talking to you, David. All right. Thanks for being on here Till next time, dear listener or viewer. Cause remember you should, you should go to my YouTube channel, the Damien Mason channel and subscribe. So dear listener and viewers until next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed
0: this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.